to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast, episode 114. We are the Who Dat Jedi Council. Dave, Fredo, how you guys doing? Doing great. Doing good. So, Dave, Looking forward you, to the game tonight. Yeah, you, yeah the, the game that's at 9 p.m. I, I was like, <laughs> man, we got we to gotta hurry up and get recorded so we can watch the game. And I asked Chris, what time is the game? She's like, 9. I was like, man, are we gonna, got time to take a nap before we watch? going to have to take a nap because I don't know if I can stay up that late. Did, did you see what's good? Did you hear what Scott told us? Our friend Scott Colesby told me yesterday when we were at Trivia. He's like, why did you pick teams that start at 9 p.m.? Because I'm also a Dodgers fan. Well, no, he said like, he said at horrible times because yeah. Arsenal plays what at like six in the morning and well, it depends on kickoff times. It could be anywhere from six in the morning to noon. Yeah, on and Saturday. Then, then yeah, your Dodgers they're late at night. The Pelicans seem to be playing, like I said, at nine p.m. They have they do not consider children and almost fifty year olds, you know, in their scheduling of NBA games. Good news, everyone. I'm in terrible pain. But, There's like this no man's land in the central and uh, rocky time zones that they don't think about with NBA tip-off times at all. And so like I like part of me is like, I'd rather be in the Eastern Conference. But then it's like, yeah, but now your game is tipping at like five or some ridiculous nonsense. And, well, what, what teams do you have in the central time zone? Well, well, like you, have, you got Denver, you, you got, got Indiana. Got, well, yeah. Indiana, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Milwaukee, yeah. Chicago. All right, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, geography spice me in the butt but, again. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is the result of us landing a series against the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. Given the fact that it's them or Golden State for the Westmost team left out there, so we're gonna get those late times. And we're coming off Easter weekend. Dave sent us all a message saying, "Happy pilfer your children's uh, candy day." Did you did you score big? Yeah, I did all right. I did all right, <laughs> like and I, they did okay too. Like I said, Halloween it's easy because you can say, you know, oh, we got to test these to see. Oh, this this wrapper is a little bit ripped. We better get rid of that one. But now it's just you know, give me your candy on on Easter. <laughs> Well, unless the, hard, unless the, the Easter Bunny is leaving PCP for the kids. so. Well, the hard part is, this is candy you and your wife bought for the kids. This isn't strangers buying candy for your kids. So it makes that much harder to go, well, I don't know if the candy is suspect, because you would have probably would not have bought it. Except, if for, it the, was except for the candy that the Easter Bunny left. What are you getting at, Fredo? Yeah, no, like, we do both. Yeah. So... The Easter, the Easter buy, Bunny leaves candy, and then they had other candies. So yeah, you're not stealing your own candy. You just own. have to check the sketchy Easter Bunny candy. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm just kidding around when I say we steal it from them. What, what we not. actually do is we buy <laughs> some extra for us, and then we set it aside. You know, I thought about I said I've never I've had dogs for, um, gosh, now 25 years, and um, I've never thought about, like, That'd be kind of fun. Just see what happened if I put like a bunch of like treats in a, you know, a little plastic Easter egg out in the yard and see if they find them. Um, but then that might sound sad. But anyway, I digress. Um, tonight, uh, not too much Star Wars tonight. So if you came here wanting a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff, we got a little bit in the news, but we're going to actually be talking Marvel again. Uh, because there's a lot of Marvel stuff that's coming up. There was a trailer that dropped, um, a couple days ago 
um, ramping up for a movie that's coming out in the first week of May, right? And uh, and but it's funny because our Star Wars stuff kind of links to the Marvel stuff because we're going to be talking about that summer reading that you that we always say should you do the summer reading or shouldn't you? And I think uh, I think you're going to have to, uh, but we're gonna, we're going to talk about that a little bit here. Um, and so since we're doing mostly Marvel, we're not going to do Star Wars trivia tonight. Um, this is going to be Fredo versus Dave. Um, and it is one trivia question for each Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Can you get a perfect score? So we'll just alternate. Um, and I'm sure what, how many I will find out. I don't know. Is there 10 questions? Who knows? Um, and now I'm wondering if this is one we've done before, but it's been a while. So, um, all right. So we'll go with uh, Fredo. You get to start us off just because. Iron Man, what song plays at the beginning of the movie? Is it Iron Man by Black Sabbath, Back in Black by ACDC, Ordinary World by Duran Duran, or Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin? I'm wondering if it had been, you know, I'm wondering uh, what kind of movie it would have gotten if it had been Duran Duran, but no, it's Back <laughs> in Black by ACDC. And we get a green check mark. Correct. All right. So that is one for Fredo. All right. I know he's a big ACDC fan. There was no way he was getting that wrong. <laughs> yeah. All right, Dave, to you, the Incredible Hulk. What does Tony tell Thaddeus Ross at the end of the film? That he wants to study the Hulk? That he knows about S.H.I.E.L.D.? That they're putting a team together? Or that Thaddeus owes him money? They're putting a team together. It is one-to-one, one, folks. Um uh, you know, hand to God, I have not seen the Incredible Hulk movies yet. So it's yeah, it's interesting because their ownership is somewhat mixed, much like the Spider-Man stuff yeah. is. Thus, it's not on Disney Plus. Thus, I don't even think you can find the uh, the DVD or the Blu-ray to purchase, which is weird. Well, we'll have to get it figured out here. So, Fredo, to you, another. This is Iron Man two. What mm -hmm. fake name does Natasha use when she first meets Tony? Is it Natalie Rushman, Natalia Romanoff, Nicole Rohan, or Naya Rabe? Natalie Rushman. Correct. It is Natalie Rushman. All right. So it is two to one. All right, Dave, to tie it up in Thor, what does Thor want from another of when he is in the diner? Or what does Thor want another oh. of when he's in the diner? Is it a slice of pie, a piece of toast, a stack of pancakes, or a cup of coffee? Cup of coffee. Correct. We are tied once again. Was it 2-2 now? Yep. All right. In Captain America, Fredo, the first Avenger, where does Peggy tell Steve she wants to meet him for a dance before he plunges into the ice? The Cotton Club, the Stork Club, El Morocco, or the Copacabana? Dun, 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 dun. I'm going to say the Cotton Club. Oh, you are wrong. Oh, yeah. So it's Stork Club? It is the Stork Club. All right. Yeah, it was one or the other. I couldn't remember which one. So we're tied at 2-2, two two, but Dave could go up on top here. In the Avengers, Natasha remarks to Clint that this Battle of New York is a lot like what? Oh, man, I could get this one. Their time in Budapest, their time in Prague, their time in Istanbul, or their time in Sokovia. Their time in Budapest. That's right. Three to two. Dave is up. 
Fredo, you get another Iron Man. Iron Man 3. What is the name of the little boy Tony befriends while stranded? Is it Harry, Henry, Harley, or Holden? Is it Harley? It is Harley. We are three to three now. Wow, you guys are doing pretty good. All right. Oh, in in the best Thor movie, Dave, Thor the Dark World. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thor the Dark World. Where do Sif and Volstag hide the reality stone at the end of the movie? I could get this one too. On Vormir, in a vault on Asgard, inside Sif's sword, or they give it to the collector. They give it to the collector. They do give it to the collector. All right. We are four to three. All right. Fredo and Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Um, what does the Winter Soldier say after Steve recognizes him for the first I could get this one, too, for the first time. Who the My hell is Bucky? Do I know you? He's gone. Or what did you say? Who the hell is Bucky? We are at four to four. Is who is Bucky? All right. That's a lot of McClunkies right there. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't think you need to McClunky that one out. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy, Dave. Um, where were the three items Rocket claims he needed, or what were the three items that Rocket claims he needs in order to escape from prison? Is it a security <laughs> guard, a fork, and an ankle monitor? A security band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg, a pair of binoculars, a detonator, and a prosthetic leg, a knife, cable wires, and Peter's mixtape. Oh my gosh. I I might have to have you run through that again because it was just a security guard, a fork, and an ankle monitor, a security band, a battery, and a prosthetic leg. That one. Correct. All right. Yeah. It was five to four, I think. Um, I'm, I'm about done keeping you guys keep score. Um, Avengers, the age of Ultron, Fredo. What word does Tony utter that makes Steve say language? Oh, well, uh, I, I can't say my clunky. Okay. So is it the, uh, is it crap? Is it a hole? Is it the S word or is it idiot? It's the S word. Did I do okay, Dave? You did great. All right. There we go. Yeah. Because I was. I was a I was a teacher. Um, all right, so you were correct, Fredo. On Ant Man, uh, Dave, what animal does Darren Cross unsuccessfully shrink? Is it a mouse, a sheep, a duck, or a hamster? A sheep. I mean, I could have answered that one. You guys would be so proud of me. I should have taken this one. Um, Captain America: Civil War, Fredo. Who isn't on Iron Man's team? Is it Vision, Black Panther, Hawkeye, or Black Widow? It's uh, hmm. it's Hawkeye. It is Hawkeye. See, I would have gotten that one right, too. All right. Well, here we go. We're up to Doctor Strange, Dave. And it's going to be one of our topics tonight is Doctor Strange. What type of uh, doctor is Stephen Strange? Neurosurgeon? Cardiothoracic uh, surgeon? Trauma surgeon or plastic surgeon? I think he was a neurosurgeon. That was my guess, too. You are correct. He was a yeah. neurosurgeon. All right. Fredo, Garlic's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Finish this line. I'm blank, y'all. 
I'm Superman, y'all. I'm Peter Pan, y'all. I'm Underdog, y'all. Or I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. I don't remember that one. So that was yeah. Uh, that's that's uh, when Han uh, Yondu is uh, rescuing Peter at the climax uh, of the movie. Um, Dave, Spider-Man: Homecoming. Who does Stan Lee appear as? A guy who Spider-Man helps cross the street. A neighbor who is disturbed by a car alarm, Peter's upstairs neighbor, or a guy who works at a hot dog cart? The neighbor who is disturbed by the car alarm. Don't make him come down there. That is correct. He's yelling from the from the uh, window. window. All right. Um, from the worst Thor movie, Thor Ragnarok. No, I'm just kidding. Um, what is Valkyrie's scrapper number? This is Tefredo, right? So is it 3, 16, 142, or 232? Wait, what was the question again? Oh, this is hard. What is Valkyrie's scrapper number? Is it 3, 16, 142, or 232? 142. Man, how'd you know that? Wow. Total guess. That's actually a total guess. Good job. Well, um, Dave in Black Panther, what do Killmonger and Claw steal from the Museum of Great Britain? Just vibranium, vibranium and a mask, a map of Wakanda, or a map of Wakanda and vibranium? Vibranium and a mask. It is vibranium and a mask. All right. All right, we're getting close, guys. All right, so Fredo, in Infinity War, what elective class did Thor take on Asgard? Learning to speak Groot, hammer making, learning to fly a spaceship, or how to take care of rabbits. Learning how to speak Groot. Yes, I remember that as well. Yep. Learning how to speak Groot. All right. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Did we have? We didn't have an Ant-Man question, did we? Oh, yeah, we did. We did. It was the we sheep. did. We did. All right. So, Dave, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Scott hid an old Ant-Man suit underneath a trophy. What did the trophy say? World's greatest dad world's greatest superhero world's greatest aunt or world's greatest grandma i think it was world's greatest aunt no oh it is world's greatest grandma oh. so i think you both missed one right yep. mm -hmm. all right fredo and captain marvel what is carol's nickname for monica is it sergeant danger captain monica or commander monica lieutenant trouble or general mo Lieutenant Trouble. It is Lieutenant Trouble. In Endgame, Dave, what is Natasha's final line before she sacrifices herself on Vormir? Let me go. It's okay. Tell everyone I... Clint. It's okay? <laughs> I thought it would be... Ah! Yeah, it's okay. No! Uh, <laughs> insert insert uh, Darth Vader no <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Far From Home Fredo what necklace does Peter buy for MJ a Black Dahlia necklace a Black Sunflower necklace a St. Christopher necklace or an NYC Skyline network necklace it's a Black Dahlia necklace it is a Black Dahlia necklace yeah guys you got 21 of 23 correct 
He scored better than 87% of all other quiz takers. So let's say you are, it says you're a massive MCU fan. You're a huge Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Not only did you see all of these movies and theaters on opening weekend, but you rewatched them several times. Not only do you know the general plot lines, but you remember some of the trickier details. So you should feel good about yourself. So there we go. Marvel trivia on a Tuesday night. Um, and actually, I felt pretty good because I actually knew some of those. So, hooray. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some news. Fredo. Uh, okay. Just right quick, a few bits of news for this week. Uh, first things first, uh, the Jeremy Bullock estate is announced that they're going to have, well, it seems like they're going to have a series of auctions, but they're going to have the first part of this auction happen on May the 4th. So they're announcing that, uh, of course, Jeremy Bullock will play Boba Fett in both Empire as well as Return of the Jedi. Uh, he passed away, I believe, last year, or no, I'm sorry, 2020, from complications related to Parkinson's. So a portion of the proceeds are going to be used to donate to towards Parkinson's UK. Uh, the sales being held by East Bristol Auctions will have helped with both the auction of estates of Dave Prowse and Julian Glover, who both star in the original Star Wars films. And, uh, you know, he, he collected a whole lot of stuff, unsurprisingly, a lot of Boba Fett-related stuff. So there's a link. Um, I'll pass it on to Dave. So if he wants to put it on the show notes. But, I mean, you got stuff like his script from Reve- his original script from Revenge of the Sith, which is going from anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 pounds. That's right, because uh, he was a pilot, yeah. Uh, the uh, photograph of him and Carrie Fisher autographed by uh, Carrie Fisher uh, back when he was uh, the uh, the Imperial officer using her as a shield in Empire. That's going from anywhere from 500 to 800 pounds. Uh, an unseen, unseen return of the Jedi footage that's going for anywhere from 3,000 to 5,000 pounds. That's stuff that his half-brother, shoot, uh, who was a producer in Star Wars, shot in November 1981, which is early Ewok test footage. If you had, uh-huh. if you had the the cash to throw around, what kind of things would you would trip your trigger in something like this or the David Prowse, you know, auction? What would you? And we can't talk specifics because we don't know specifically. But I mean, would you want the photo of Jeremy Bullock and Carrie Fisher, oh. or would you want the Revenge of the Sith script, you know, type of thing? What what kind of thing would you want? I think ultimately for me is if I could have some sort of prop, that would be awesome. So how about a replica Boba Fett helmet? Such as like a one-to-one replica that Jeremy wore on interviews and at home. That's going for the low, low price of six to 800 pounds. Yeah, but see, that's again, that's the, but then it's like, it's a replica helmet. Mm -hmm. And okay, so. So you'd rather something that was movie prop? No, no. I mean, if I'm gonna, if I'm going to drop the cash, I would rather mm-hmm. have something that was you know, like used in the movie. I don't know. What do you guys think? Who, who was it that was talking about this? The Death Star uh, model that got rescued out of somebody's hand. It was my brother. It was yeah. it, it was at a it was like at a junk store in Missouri. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was such a hilarious story. I was like, yeah, you know, rescue the Death Star instead of trying to blow it up, rescue the thing. Um, 
but honestly i guess with me it'd be space thing so because we we're that's a real premium in this house with three kids and a dog and um, uh, an obscene amount of clutter so take take, would... the, take those elements out of it so it's just let's just say you have the space for it so like mm. what what kind of what kind of things would you want i mean would again would you want you know a knickknack that came that he had and you know or would you like something that was like i said in the movie okay. or well okay so i'm inspired by you i think i would pick the emperor's chair Oh, I'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive. Because it would be useful. Uh, it would be a conversation piece. Um, and like, yeah, I like, I like the idea of pulling something directly from the films, that memorabilia like that, so... I think if I could, okay, so not, it's, I think ultimately what would be awesome was if you could have the chessboard from the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. You know, and you set, cool. you set that in the corner and that's where you sit and sip whiskey. You know, that's... Only if it has the hollow projections, though. <laughs> uh, yeah. You you I can, think for me... I... You could probably get somebody to design that for you, but yeah, so... For me, probably, if I'm going with any kind of prop that's been in any of the movies, I'd probably go with a uh, lightsaber. Well, that, I was going to say Luke's that. Or, yeah. yeah, Vader. Or, you know, and it doesn't even need to be the um, the iron, what was, it, what was it that they used for the, to put in place? It was kind of like this plexiglass fiber rod. No, I don't mean that. Just the hilt. Yeah. Just with, hill, cool. I'm with you on that too. Yeah, if I could have like, uh, what was it? I God, I mean, Luke's lightsaber from A New Hope or Empire that went up for auction not too long ago. I want to. I'm not even going to guess on the money, but I remember it's like something stupid, like ten thousand bucks or something like that. If I, oh if yeah, I'm guessing right, probably more than that. But yeah. well, and this I know this is an audio podcast, but I don't know if you guys have seen this. This was Brittany got me this uh, for our first anniversary. This was like just from as a lightsaber replica. It's just from Hobby Lobby, um, and it's actually. And I mean, so you're only talking. You're not. You're not talking as much money, but it actually looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we go to Disney in, uh, in about a month, month or so, I, I've been I've been putting away my lesson money because the one thing I do want to get is um, the skywalker lightsaber not the not the one from rise of skywalker with the leather band but the luke anakin one so Mm -hmm. that's uh that's that's the lightsaber that i've always always wanted are you gonna do the building too i'm gonna do the building one as well yes i've been yeah i've been saving like a good boy sorry my microphone's all weird now um yeah that's uh i'm doing that as well so So you're coming home with two sabers that's right that's right Nice. Dual wielding. <laughs> uh, well, going from the past to the future, uh, actually, you shared with this us today. Uh, so, uh, Hollywood Reporters uh, had an article stating that Lucasfilm's game is working with uh, Amy Hennig's Skydance New Medium. Uh, for those who don't remember, Amy Hennig is famous for being the director and developer behind the Uncharted game series. And she had been working on a previous video game for a Star Wars video game for Electronic Arts before that one fell apart. But they're working on a new one. So 
She's working directly with Lucasfilm Scam. She goes, I'm elated to be working with them again to tell interactive stories in this galaxy that I love. Uh, it's the, you know, their new second major project for their her company. Uh, last October, they announced they're working on a narrative game developed in partnership with Marvel. So this is supposed to be an epic journey with a Star Wars action-adventure title. Obviously, it doesn't say anything else about timeline or who might be starring or when it might come out. The thing that was in, most interesting about this, there's not much interest, interesting mm -hmm. in that article, but the thing that was most interesting that was kind of goes what we were talking about last week is that it says an original Star Wars story. So this is not going to be, um, it doesn't sound like it's going to be like, you know, a portion of a new hope, you know, or a portion of something. It's going to be a brand new story. So, you know, and it, it makes me think too, there, actually there's two things I might ask on this one is one is are video games, a good place for this kind of progressive storytelling. And by that, I mean like getting away from the good old stories, you know, and then the second question I have for you is, and this might be so two separate conversations is, should video games be source material for the overall Star Wars um, story? For example, should the stuff uh -huh. that's in Jedi Fallen Order, um, I think I think that's all considered canon, right? Mm -hmm. yep. Should, should yep. it? I mean, it is video games. First of all, is it good to you know to move the story Star Wars story further and broader, and should it be? part of canon let's not you know so anyway let's throw that to you guys uh, i guess i'll go with uh yes it's fine and yes it should be uh we're accustomed to the canon quote unquote in big old block of stone words of stone or whatever being just the movies but at the same time we've also recognized that we've expanded it to include books and we've ex expanded it to include tv shows We've expanded it to include comic books. So video games being part of the canon is not a problem. I mean, shoot, when you go to Galaxy's Edge, you can buy Cal Kestis's lightsaber. Right. And you can because fans made a strong connection with his story. And there's which and, is one that's speared off of, the, of Order 66. And there's not much excuse for anybody mm -hmm. because what what good people out there are doing is that they they will take all those little video clips that play in a video game and they they piece them together and put it on youtube so you can go get the story of jedi fallen order without playing the game once no the other thing i was going to say was in answer to the first question is it's an excellent way because it's a different storytelling medium and sometimes you can be quite uh, limited or quite you know, boxed in by just trying to come up with a movie every couple of years because the movie involves a certain level of story writing or uh, techniques that video games will allow you because it's an interactive story because you're taking part in the journey. It allows you to not only create a good bond, but it allows you to tell stories in much different ways. I mean, best example I can give is the Bioware Knights of the Republic stories. There's a reason why 20 some odd years later, people still connected with Darth Revan because that was a journey they took on themselves. You know, it wasn't something that they just saw on the screen. It's something they, they interacted and they did. And when they got hit with that reveal, 
it connected with them. Dave, what do you think? There's there's a history here uh, too of thirty years plus of them doing this um, of just pulling um, unique uh, new characters, new storylines into the overall fold, um, and I think like. I'm not sure that it was exclusive because, again, there were a lot of games that were based strictly around the original trilogy even back then. Um, but, again, right around the point where the 90s came around, they were starting to get more creative with stuff because, well, how many times can we tell you the same story over and over again? And the e the EU stuff was kind of in its own silo, uh, in like the books and the novelizations and for whatever reason, they didn't want to adapt any of that or create material that might contradict that stuff. Um, so from that point you get, you start getting new characters and, and new ideas. And, um, and so like for them to continue that going forward for the reasons that Fredo outlined are a hundred percent, uh, smart. I, I mean, it's just, it's a good way to go. It's a good way to test things. It's a good way to find out, oh, do you like this character? Well, maybe we'll give you more. Um, and again, you do it in a way that you don't accidentally create some sort of canon that you end up regretting later on. Well, here's the other thing is, and I don't mean this in a, a disrespectful way, but Dave Filoni really doesn't have anything to do with the video games. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it, it seems like he's kind of got a, a a hold on the live action stuff and the video games probably can, you know, you know, okay, I don't have to talk about Ahsoka. I don't have to talk about, you know, Captain Rex. I don't have to talk about Anakin or Obi-Wan. Um, so. I mean, I mean, you can, I mean, we've seen through the, I mean, the old Legends universe used to have the whole Dark Forces, Jedi Knight, that was all expanding out from Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. But one of the smart things that they did is, or that they've done is, it doesn't mean that they have to do a video game in that era. We know that they're coming up with stuff for the High Republic. We know that they've come up with stuff for even the um, Old Republic kind of uh, uh, period. So you get the opportunity to kind of branch out in different ways, telling different stories. That in a way in which it's so far distant and removed, the impact on the story that Dave Filoni and John Favreau want to tell right now, or that Taika Waititi wants to tell, or that Patty Jenkins wants to tell, it's there's no impact there because you're talking thousands of years of difference. So you're you're free to tell a brand new story in any way you want, and that that kind of freedom can be both well, it can be a trap, but it's also, it's also liberating it's and so good. Mm -hmm. I about started laughing because you said the story that Taika Watiti wants to tell. It's like nobody knows what the story is that he wants to tell, or the story that uh, the only thing we know about Patty Jenkins is that, is that it's going to have you know, you know X wings. Um, but um, I digress. Uh, no, I, like I said, just got to thinking about that. Um, yeah, like I said, especially with YouTube. Um, like I said, people don't necessarily have to be a gamer to stay on top of what any story anybody wants to develop. So it's kind of interesting. So to paraphrase, mm -hmm. para, bleh, paraphrase uh, Palpatine, we will watch this story with great interest. Um, all right. What else you got? I, and then uh, just another bit. Well, this is interesting because it does 
come off the uh, video game stuff, which, hey, you may have to watch the Jedi Fallen Order, you know, story clips. Mabicana is doing some of the homework because uh, one famous Star Wars actor did some of the homework, so to speak. Uh, so they're interviewing Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor about what did they do in order to prepare for Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, Entertainment Weekly was doing an interview with them. So they're talking about how did they watch all the old films? And they go, yes, they watched all nine movies. They said they both sat down and watched all nine Skywalker Saga movies to get themselves ready to go back into their roles. Uh, to which Hugh McGregor said, it's the first time he's seen the prequels since they had come out. You know, it was cool to kind of just sit back and enjoy them. But then the interesting thing was that when they asked Aiden Christensen, they says, not only did he go back and rewatch all the films, he watched all of Clone Wars and then followed that up with Rebels. So he said he wanted to know what they did with those characters in those shows, how they furthered the relationships. You know, he says there was interesting stuff there to learn about. It yeah. was great fun getting to go back and reimmerse yourself in this world that just continues to grow and become more vast, which it's an interesting kind of way of saying it, but also from the movies that he filmed, there's no Ahsoka. Well, now there's no Ahsoka, so he needs to know what's going on there. That's what I was going to get to because I'm the one on this podcast that reads into stuff. Um, mm. And so I'm now I'm reading. If he would have said he went back and watched the Clone Wars, then I would have been like, uh, then, then the strongest argument you can make is like he wanted to see the fuller story of the relationship between Anakin and Obi-Wan. But the fact that he went and watched Rebels makes me want, I'm now reading into this that it's like, we are going to see, and I, I think that is why Ahsoka was in the book of Boba Fett, was to remind everybody that, hey, this person is here, just this character is here. There was no reason why Ahsoka needed to be there, um, except for exposition-wise, but um, they could have had R2 do that for crying out loud. But anyway, I think that's why they have Ahsoka in the Book of Boba Fett so that they can remind everybody. And then I think we're going to see some Ahsoka stuff in Kenobi. Because otherwise, why would he watch Rebels? That doesn't give you really any insight into Darth Vader, really. There's a couple good episodes, but it's all about his relationship with Ahsoka. Mostly, yeah. Um, I mean, Vader has a couple of really cool moments. Um, being being menacing and being the, you know, yeah. beaten up yeah. on Kanan. Yeah. But I mean, as and far as the... like a character, you know, like if you're doing a character analysis or something like that, the ones you're going to watch are the ones where he's dealing with figuring out that Ahsoka is still around. I mean, the argument that I would say that um, might refute your theory would be that this is the time frame. Right. Um, like, if, so if you were looking for reference points for how is Vader acting a certain kind of way and, you know, what's his temperament like? How does he interact with other people? Where is he in terms of his frustration with with his station in life and and the state of the galaxy? All these kinds of things you might get a little bit of insight from just watching Rebels. Now, to your point, I do think there's something there. I do. Um, would they recast her? 
I don't, I, I don't think so. I think you can, I mean, you got makeup and everything like that. You can do anything to make somebody look younger. Um, I mean, they've, you've even had, I mean, if they can make real Mark Hamill look like 1983 Mark Hamill, you know, then it wouldn't take much to get Rosario Dawson to look a little bit younger, you know, but I'll follow but, that up though with another question. Um, do you think it's a good idea? Well, I, you know, but I, to, to have or to have her or return to have her because like from my perspective when you watched her interactions with anakin in rebels you got a lot of really sort of um to your point good material i mean really good material and it's like thinking um yeah it, it might be nice to revisit that because you're tempted because it was so good but i think part of the reason it was so good was because it sort of came out of left field um they didn't have any sort of concept of one another really and leading into that confrontation and then the confrontation was just so jarring that i don't necessarily feel that she would look to revisit that anytime soon afterwards and again you could do it a few different ways where she's only interacting with obi-wan she's not interacting with aiden um, See, I, I would think it would probably be more of I th that. I think that there's going to be probably more of an Obi-Wan Ahsoka meetup at some point. Hello there. And, and I'm trying to, I, I do not know what the timeline is like here. Because if this, if Kenobi happens after Twilight of the Apprentice, where Ahsoka and Vader fight and, you know, go there and it's, and I don't know, he's, so he knows that she's alive. She knows that he is Vader. So I think there can be a little bit of, I don't, I don't think Ahsoka and Vader are going to meet again. Um, I think that this is going to be more of um, a triangle type of a thing. I think Vader is going to be obsessed with not just, I mean, if Ahsoka's alive, then Obi-Wan, he knows that Obi-Wan's alive. You know, there's going to be all this stuff. But again, it's just like, why would Hayden watch rebels if not for that well do remember that hayden's also been he's gonna be in ahsoka the show so yeah from that same hollywood report article with the news already announced that christmas invader will also be appearing in disney plus's upcoming ahsoka series so he's studying not just because she's you know she possibly could be in obi-wan kenobi but because he needs to know what was that relationship portrayed as when he was supposed to be yeah. that character. So he needs to get that background. It's a, it's an interesting question because when he was playing the role, again, he played it as the Padawan and the Jedi Knight. And his entire relationship or his character's entire relationship with Ahsoka fit in between episodes two and three. He never got to portray Anakin as uh as a teacher, as a master, as a as a big brother, so to speak. You know, it's going to be an interesting thought process for him to now process all that information that everybody's just canon now for everybody and make that his own for his performance. I'm going to go on the record and tell everybody who listens to this and anybody that I talk to that, yes, before Kenobi comes out and especially before Ahsoka comes out, thou shalt watch The Clone Wars and Rebels because there's going to be... You know, we, I was talking with Scott... Colesby a little bit last mm -hmm. night about this because we're when we we're talking about doing the 
summer reading. You know, do we, and we'll talk about it here in a little bit. Um, Marvel does it so well that, I mean, the story is good. And then there's all these deeper things that if you've seen the other movies, if you've you know been in the comic books and stuff like that, you're going to get even more out of it. I don't know if you can watch the Ahsoka series and get the same emotional reaction that I think the four of us are going to get without having seen that relationship from beginning to end and then to have that in live action. I, I, I don't think you're going to have the weight. Yeah, so. no, it's it's almost impossible. It's And it's not even because they cannot portray that in the in the in the tv show it's because you're going you know there's so much history there that to for somebody who doesn't know it they're not going to understand you know or they're going to catch as deep of the resonance of it so you know like i said doing the summer homework is going to be request prerequisite there i don't know dave do you agree disagree should people watch this before these live action ones come out I mean, maybe not so much the Kenobi because that's if you know that, you know, Anakin and Obi Wan have you, that history is is known, you know. Um, I don't know, but but I think definitely before Ahsoka. What do you think? I had an interaction with somebody on social um, several weeks back along these lines, and it was it was very much, um, what do I need to be watching before? I watch this show if anything and I'm not excited about having to watch other things and I mean I basically just said you know rebels um give rebels a, a, a really fair shot because rebels acts as a gateway drug in my opinion mm-hmm. I to agree. clone wars um I had no so, interest in clone wars until after mm-hmm. I started watching rebels yeah and and so you give that it's a thorough effort and I think most people that I talk to, they, it, who have watched it all the way through, say that it's amongst their favorite Star Wars uh, on screen. Period. It's more accessible too. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny because I guess a lot of people just get hung up on the animated thing yeah. and they, they just think, oh well, this looks like it's for kids. And you know, it's funny because it was on what was it on Disney XD? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like this gimmicky channel you know with a weird uh sort of demographic that they were going for and like and then star wars fans because star wars fans would tune into the show and uh and then probably quickly bounce out of there but uh this uh, it just really flew under the radar for so many people and anybody who has sat down and watched it it's yeah i don't i don't hear anybody like bag on that show no. I mean, I mean, there's probably people out there. Thankfully, I haven't met them. But uh, yeah, it's just it's really good. No, and and it's the kind of show where it's easy to engage in the the first season. You just kind of go one episode to the next to the next. It's, it does you don't realize you're getting hooked until yeah you it's like season one's over and it's like what happened next and you go to season two. It it looks like Star Wars. It sounds like Star Wars. It you know it's well acted. Um, It's 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 got its light moments. It's got its heavy moments. You know so. And if nothing else is a good selling point to tell people, look, it's being made by the same people who are giving you the Mandalorian, and a lot of that stuff there you'll catch here and you'll know why it's so important. And 
you know, you'll you'll get the same vibe out of this. It's just it's animated. That's all. Well, all right. Well, let's move from uh, Star Wars and let's uh, talk a little bit about Marvel. There was a trailer that dropped, and there was a very controversial tweet that went out with it, where somebody said. I have the feeling that if you didn't like Thor Ragnarok, you're not going to like Thor Love and Thunder. And that gentleman happens to be on this show. Fredo, what did you mean by that? What what made you what made it, what made you say that? Is it because there was rock and roll music? That was the I mean or Yeah, yeah, sweet child of mine. If you don't like Guns and Roses, you're not gonna like uh Love Thor Love and Thunder. No, I think what I meant more than anything, more than anything, was that if you had questions, problems, issues, concerns with the sense of humor of one Taika Waititi, you're getting more of the same. You're and he's get... directing this one, yeah? Huh? He's is directing Korg's back. So it's, uh, in other words, if you didn't like, if you had a problem with Thor Ragnarok, you may have a question or a concern with Thor Love and Thunder just because so, uh, it's being made by the same people. Point, counterpoint. However, um, the very fact that the Guardians of the Galaxy are involved in this one gives it a little bit more of a license to be tongue-in-cheek. Whereas I don't think... I think Thor Ragnarok came out of left field. And again, everybody liking is not the same as valuing, okay? Mm -hmm. I don't have any doubt that Thor Ragnarok is a well designed developed written movie everything like that i just didn't like it as well as the others but i think the way the reason i i mean it it it, it just like i said seemed to come out of left field um but here it's like it's it's kind of in a in a strange way it's like why blazing saddles gets away with being you know with with Mm. all the um i mean with all their jokes is because you know the smartest person on the screen is the African-American sheriff and all the dumb people are the white people. And so it's like, it tempers down those, those racist jokes. I know it sounds weird, but it's like, um, or by having, what was the one they said? Oh, it was, uh, Kevin Smith was talking about, um, in chasing Amy, um, where Banky's, uh, point of view of how, how you could just, turn some you know turn a girl from not being a lesbian he's he's like and somebody somebody took issue with that and he said you do realize that we had the stupidest character in the movie say that line mm-hmm. thus deflating the argument so i think it is my point of view by having guardians of the galaxy it gives you license to be more jokey whereas in thor ragnarok it was just jeff goldblum and core and tiger and Korg and no but you know what you make a good point one that i hadn't thought of about which is if you watch thor one and thor two thor one was kenneth Branagh, and he's making it as a shakespearean it was hamlet. play yeah it was hamlet yeah. hamlet yeah and thor the dark world was alan taylor who best known for directing stuff in game of thrones so he was bringing that sensibility in uh so to go from two guys who are more traditionally in theater and stagecraft like that to Taika Waititi who is he is the you know he's Kiwi but he's like the Tasmanian devil he's just a ball of energy lots of humor lots of stuff if you ever see 
any of his other properties. It's it's a mile jokes a mile a million, you know. So it could be quite, you know, if you go from those first two to this one to Thor Ragnarok, it probably was a swerve and a half. Like you're going down, like you're listening to a prog rock opera, and all of a sudden somebody decides to baby throw. comes on. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and you know you don't know what to make do with it. They were not the leadership at Marvel were not happy with the direction of the Thor movies and they really wanted to try to make it work. He was an important character within the overall fabric of the Avengers movies. So um, when the third movie rolled around, they were basically holding open auditions, I think for the director. Um, And the reason that Taika got it was because he came in with a, like a concept video set to immigrant song, which basically became the trailer and then the whole movie. Um, and it, I think it was just such a breath of fresh air for them because they were really looking to turn the page that they went full bore with it. And now like, this is the future of the character too. So now they're gonna, they're making another movie in that style. Um, and like maybe just on that basis alone, it won't be, I mean, again, you've already got one movie that was sort of a wackier sensibility. Um, now you're going to have another one that seemingly looks uh, to be in a similar vein. So now, like, just the fact that they're sort of paired with one another, it might make the whole arc and the whole story seem a little bit more cohesive, possibly. But I do like, I will say this, um, Part of the reason I like Ragnarok as much as I did was because of the actual arc of the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like where Thor has gone from day one in the MCU until now. I feel like he has had the craziest arc of any character. Um, and he has shown the most um, pathos, the most ability to change um, for good and bad um and uh become probably my favorite character in the in the entire universe at this point if not favorite he's probably in the top five and i wouldn't have said that after watching the first movie so um okay so again we're at trivia last night we were talking with uh i asked colsby you know how he how he liked the the trailer he said his biggest problem with it he said why do you put the reveal in the trailer? Why do you have the reveal of Natalie Portman in the Thor costume catching the hammer? You know, why do you do that in the trailer? It's, it's, I said, yeah, it's kind of like what it's JJ Abrams didn't put, you know, Ray catching Luke's lightsaber for the force awakens. That wasn't in a trailer. First time you saw that was in the movie and it hit, hard you know so why do you why why do you do that in the trailer except for the fact that every i mean and my wife and i were watching the trailer together and she was getting all ticked off until the very end when we got to see natalie portman so she was happy that she got to see it but why don't you save that for the movie two reasons number one because natalie portman was not in thor three as a matter of fact they even made a reference to how she had ex-girlfriend right yeah Right, exactly. So they've already made a comment as to the fact that she was no longer involved, and she hasn't been involved in the MCU since 
the fallout from Thor The Dark World when Patty Jenkins was not allowed to direct the movie. So, you know, okay, she's coming back. But number two, because you didn't, you, what didn't you see in that trailer? The bad guy, the villain. You know who's playing the villain? Christian Bale. You had no shot of him. He's playing Gord the Thor, the God Killer. Not nowhere in sight. So since you didn't have a big wow moment showing Christian Bale as a bad guy, well, what you got is Natalie Portman, who everybody knew was coming back as Lady Thor. Or Thor. Uh, the other thing that like um that I considered was just the the idea that Taika likes to poke fun at everything. Um and again Ragnarok was perfect example of that where they were making fun of the dark world um, with the whole reenactment of the play and, and, and Matt Damon and everything. And it was, I, I thought that was some of the most successful material. You could make the argument that he's sort of poking fun at that captain America moment with mm -hmm. the hammer coming to captain, because like, that was such a huge moment for everybody. And it's like, Oh, we're gonna see the hammer fly through the air, and then it'll go to Natalie. You know, um, I think it was kind of just—I think he was trying to call to mind that moment for people, um, and and offer his own sort of fun take on that. So, anything in the in the trailer hit you as oh wow moments? Just, uh, just the tone that uh, that uh, the lines that Chris Hemsworth is hitting, which is hitting to what Dave was saying about the pathos and the growth of the character, because you know it opens with him running as a little boy, and then as a young man in the full Thor costume, which I don't think outside of the first movie we've ever seen him in ever again with the helmet and everything. Uh, but just the idea of him talking about finding himself, and which is true. I mean, in many ways, he's. He's been, the character has been a protector and an avenger and a warrior. And okay, you're not none of those things now. What do you do? So this journey of self-discovery is part of his character arc now. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes because whereas Thor Ragnarok juxtaposed him against his older sister, Hel, Hela, this one's probably going to juxtapose him against the likes of Natalie Portman as Thor. It's like, being a better Thor than he's ever been. Dave, any any wow moments for you? Just a lot of little things that were like um, really cool, you know. And that's I think that's the nature of most trailers because they're just like short snippets of clips that are cut together quickly, and so you're um, you're like, oh, cool, and then you're on to the next, oh, cool moment. Um, I really liked the gag with the looking into the eyes. Uh, dialogue um, with Star Lord that was hilarious. Um, I liked, um, I liked seeing a literal god laying down in the ground being slain, which is a direct callback to the comics and is a real clue that yes, you're getting the a god slayer as your as your main adversary here. Um, the Natalie moment. Um, it's a lot of really just kind of 
fun stuff. I like seeing him like with the chains too, like working out. Like CrossFit. how? Yeah. How are you gonna work out if you're a demigod? It's like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, you're gonna be crossfitting with these giant, just comically <laughs> enlarged chains. You know. Did you catch what his cap said? He was wearing a baseball cap, like like a trucker hat, and it, and it said "Strongest Avenger." Yeah. <laughs> like he's not letting that one go strongest avenger well so yeah i'm i mean we're excited to see the movie so um i think it might be a good um i always say this on our podcast so we can it's kind of a you know this would be a good idea for a topic sometime and that is what actually makes a good trailer what do you what do you and it's like you can we could like I, I love some of the things on YouTube where it shows like you know they they reimagine the trailer for like Empire Strikes Back, you know it's or or the you know the what do they call them? Uh, anyway, they just they right just, the modern edit the modern the modern trailer right. Um, so it's like what what makes a good trailer? Um, and I think that that'd be something to talk about because uh, I I found Scott's comment of why do you put the big reveal, you know in the trailer and of course to your point is maybe it wasn't the big reveal now let me ask you this um i don't know if he's been in the casting news i'm totally clueless but given the fact that we just had loki and we know that there are loki variants are we going to see a loki in this uh, movie it's a good question it'd be the first uh thor movie to not have loki in any way whatsoever but at the same time, as far as Thor knows, Loki's dead. Yeah, there are, there are a bunch Infinity of, War. There are a bunch of Loki variants, including one from that, you know, popped out, you know, in Endgame. So I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll see a Loki. Um, so that's yeah. Check out the trailer of uh, Thor: Love and Thunder. Um, I just I just found Fredo's. Uh, I thought he was then then of course his tweet. Then I said something, and then my one of my best friends from high school started, you know, getting on my case because I didn't like Thor Ragnarok as much as I was like, had to explain to Fredo who this guy was. He's um, good people. He's good people. He's, it, it, was, it was all good. I said, I, you know, I, I said I'd spent time in the uh, stocks in the town square for making these comments before. Did and, you read all the replies to my tweet though? Everybody was like, who'd be crazy enough to say that? Who would not? And, and again, I want to, but here's the thing. I, I'm, I'm dead serious about this. It, it bothers me that people uh, people conflate liking and valuing mm -hmm. it's like i mean you can tell me that you don't like jazz music that is fine but you cannot tell me that it's good that it's bad music you can't tell me that it's bad music you know you you i mean you can say you don't you can tell me that you hate hip-hop and that's fine but i mean some hip hop artists have a greater command of rhythm and, you know, than any musician in the history of music. Um, so it's like, and again, just because I said, I don't like Thor Ragnarok as, you know, amongst those three movies, it's not my favorite of the three does not mean that it's a bad movie and it does not. And it actually, and again, I, I think I said it in that tweet was that, you know, I don't have the the history of the comics to, you know, give me a, an educated 
argument for how much value Thor Ragnarok has. I don't have, you know, any of that. I just saw it as a movie after like a week after I've seen the other two and it just didn't ring my bell. And I think probably because it came out of left field. Now it would have been interesting had they done the guardians link up in that movie, then would it have tempered that a little bit? But uh, but again, valuing is not the same as liking, folks. So, I mean, and just because somebody, I mean, like I said, Emerald could make us all dinner and we could hate it. That doesn't make it bad food. That doesn't make it a bad meal. You know, it's, I don't like the taste of mushrooms or I don't like, you know, the taste of whatever. Dave doesn't like, yeah. You know, it's like, doesn't make it a bad meal. Projecting back to this movie and trying to figure out if it's going to be good or not, um, I think like the teaser's not going to tell you a lot. It's just not. And like we looked at it, we we saw there were a lot of Guardians material, Guardians of the Galaxy material, and you talked about that being connective tissue and maybe establishing the tone, and those are good things. We also know, think we know, the Guardians aren't going to be in this movie very much at no. all. And so if they're showing that stuff and they're leaning on it, they're showing you the first, you know, quarter of the movie, maybe third of the movie. They're not showing you any of the deeper stuff. There's a lot of stuff they haven't shown us. Lady Sif, I don't think, made an appearance at all. She's um, in there. Uh, I yeah. was just looking at the IMDb okay. page and she's listed as character. Yeah, no, she's in the movie. She didn't show up in the trailer. Uh, Loki might show up. Beta Ray Bill might show up. And this, um, and this may be just, uh, this, this may be just an Aaron thing, but I, actually, I, 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 and I said it in my, in that that tweet, in that Twitter conversation, is that I don't, I won't have the baggage of this is the best Thor movie ever. When mm-hmm. you set the bar there, especially after I just saw the other two, and I'm not talking about you two guys, but everything I ever heard was this is the best Thor movie ever. And I went in like, this is going to be the best Thor movie ever. I'm, I'm let down. That's why Dominic Jones on the Star Wars Underworld podcast, he always says that when somebody said, hey, how's the new Star Wars movie? He's like, it's all right. That's his stock answer because he doesn't want to set somebody up to like, oh, this is going to be the best thing ever. And then to be let down and say, what the heck were you talking about? That was a pile of crud. Um, so... I said I won't have that baggage going into this movie, you know, because that uh, my and we've talked a bunch on this podcast about expectations. My expectations were at the ceiling, and didn't meet it. Um, but that being said, look, and Dave's alarm went off. Let's talk about Doc, uh, Doctor Strange just a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. My wife watches the trailer and she comes out. And she's like there's i'm seeing what if is in there i'm seeing you know there's like you gotta know spider-man you gotta know all the it it it's seeming like this movie is going to require a bit of the summer reading because we see the evil doctor strange from what if we're seeing zombies from what if there's wandavision stuff that you're going to need to know um i mean so I don't know. What would you tell, what would you tell people here about Dr. Strange? Cause that comes out in two weeks. Just about, yeah. Just about two weeks. weeks. So what would you, what would you tell people? Do you think that they're going to enjoy it if they haven't seen no way home or WandaVision or what if, 
or um well what's interesting is this you're getting a different director from doctor strange one to doctor strange two this movie is directed by sam raimi so sam raimi is really good at condensing information and for anybody who remembers the spider-man movies he's pretty good at giving a lot of information visually so i would trust that he knows how to give you the basic bullet points without delving too deep into it. I would imagine much as the same ways we're saying about Anik, you know, Hayden Christensen watching Rebels and Clone Wars. Were you to watch, and look, you know, One Division is eight episodes. Uh, what if, I believe, is eight or nine episodes of half an hour animation. And then uh, really the only one that might be mandatory, the longest thing to watch is Spider-Man No Way Home because that one's going to lead directly into Doctor Strange 2 because what Doctor Strange does in that one impacts this one. But that's it. I mean, in terms of summer, you know, summer reading list, this is the shortest that I think any MCU movie has ever required. I don't know about that. I mean, the a lot of the, the intro stories, right, are typically... Uh, introductions to a character you don't have to have a lot of background you can just like roll into it and just watch it and enjoy it on its own merits right so certainly all of those movies um, but, for, but I'm talking like multiple like phase four now movies yeah I mean I do think what you're saying about it being closely tied to No, uh, no Way Home uh, is probably accurate and it's kind of a curious choice for them because they don't usually make their movies like that, where this movie leads directly into the next leads direct. It's more of a tease, like a, like, like a slow, a slow burn. Like here's a tease that will pay off in three years, you know, rather than here's a central character that's going to become the main character in the next movie um so you'll have to have seen this movie to what it's a different approach um it's a slight shift um and i don't know that i personally care for it necessarily because i i got to the point now with it where i'm less inclined to want to go to the theater period post-covid um i mean i shouldn't say post-covid during covid it's still out there um i just i'm not i'm not a big fan of going anymore um i like going to the movies i it's just it doesn't feel like it's a risk reward assessment where it's like okay what are the odds i'm gonna catch something versus uh is it worth the risk to me to actually go to the movie i did that for spider-man i don't know that i'm gonna do it for dr strange and i almost am at the point of resenting them trying to paint me into this corner of having to go you got to go to this movie too because you just went to the other it's like well yeah to a certain degree they've always done that but there have been several that i have punted on um i'll catch it when it comes out for rent you know um i can wait the three months and it's like i'll risk getting spoiled for the next three months and it's fine um and i feel like this this movie is a little bit more of a I don't know. I'm a little bit more aggressive in its sort of demands on us. It's like, you need to come see this. So I'll know. <laughs> I don't need to come see this. How, how much How much of that is because, um, and, and all your points, 100% uh, 
valid. Um, but how much of that, you know, you got to come see this is because it looks like a wacky psycho movie. It's even called the multiverse of madness, which mm-hmm. like if you were to say, you know, hey, you know, hey, dad, you want to come see a movie? Yeah, let's go to a movie. Yeah, it's called Multiverse of Madness. No, I'm not going to go see that movie. You know what I mean? It's so how much of it, um, and even to the Marvel fan, because I will tell you that, you know, when you guys had me watch the stuff, like the the movie that I was least inclined to watch was Doctor Strange, because I really knew nothing about Doctor Strange. And the word strange is in the title. And so, I mean, that just does something to the psyche, right? And mm-hmm. so... You know, and it was a good movie. It was a very good movie. Um, but it was weird from the get-go. I mean, they jump into the multiverse stuff right away, practically. Um, and now, when you, all the trailers just show it being really weird. And so even the passive MCU fans, like Brittany and me, you know, do they have to guilt us into going or pressure us into going to the movie now so we know what's going on? And uh, so anyway, I don't know how much is that. Is- uh, I think in part, and I think in part, part of that demand, you must come see it is a result of the impact that No Way Home had. I, I think they were really surprised at the reaction and the audience response of just how much everybody ran to the theaters to go see Spider-Man No Way Home. And they're hoping to catch lightning in a bottle again. At the same time, I will say, um, it seems like a lot of the windows to go from release to digital streaming have been shortened. Like you can already, if you want to pay 20 bucks, you can watch the Batman, the movie that just came out in February right now at home. So you don't have to go to a theater or whatever. So I do wonder, I do be interested to see how quickly they will move Dr. Strange from theaters in May. I wonder if by June or July, it will be in, Disney Plus premium or whatever. Are you because they're moving towards a shorter and shorter window. Are you able to see No Way Home? Are you able to stream that right now? Oh. Yeah. You can okay, stream so, it right now. So here's the here's the question to both of you then. If you have to tell people to either watch What If, WandaVision, or No Way Home to prepare for which one of those is going to best prepare them for what you think they're going to see in the Doctor Strange which is going to give them the best, the best uh, support system. I, I vote for WandaVision um, because I think Wanda is going to be a central character in this movie and she's going to be critically important to the plot. Um, and having that background, you can sort of piece together the multiverse stuff and I'm sure they'll give you a couple of lines of dialogue to try to catch you up. Um there are multiple universes, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. here we go. You know, um, I think like getting that background on her and understanding where she currently lies, because like by the end of WandaVision, she's in a different place than where mm-hmm. she started. Uh, the Just to go different, I would say, what if, if for no other reason than just because what if leans a lot into the dynamics within Stephen Strange. Like that's that's one of those things that leads to the Sorcerer Supreme that we see in the trailer where he's going, things just got out of hand. 
because that willingness to be risky to push the envelope to do i don't know maybe we maybe i should rewrite everybody's fabric of reality just to make everybody forget that this teenage kid is a spider-man like no sane adult should do that but steven went sure i can do that and that's part of his psyche that's part of who he is Mm. so maybe getting into how sometimes that mindset can lead him to a disaster you know it gives it plus it'll it'll give you some understanding of you know when you encounter some of the other characters across the multiverse saying why they not necessarily the biggest fans of Stephen Strange. That's interesting. Okay, well, uh, I won't. I'll, I'll tell you offline what I find interesting about that, and maybe we'll talk about it another time. So um, I think we'll leave it at that because Dave's alarm went off a while ago. But I mean, I I think it. I, I, like I said, there's been a lot of. I've always been a, a kind of. A, it bothers me when you have to do the summer reading and it seems like a lot of the stuff that's coming to us, star Wars and Marvel wise is that you it's, it's probably in your best interest it's, to do as much as you can. Um, and I just hope that they don't get to the point. I would start resenting my monkey. a lot of them, Dave is if it became, you know, not just suggested, but if you don't see this stuff, you're not going to get what's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's my fear. That's my fear of what what it, where we're starting to go. Um, what one of the smart things comic book companies, whether Marvel or anyone, whenever they have crossover events or multiple multiple titles for a character, like say Spider Man has four comic books, Batman has four comic books, they'll have different stories told in different ways. They'll occasionally refer to one another, but they don't necessarily demand that you go read that issue right. or read that storyline to know what's happening here. The only few times they'll do is they'll say, okay, we're doing a cross story across f- all four titles kind of thing. But they'll tell you, okay, you got to read this, to read this, to read this. And they only pull that trick every so often. They don't do it every year or six months or whatever, because they know the audiences burn out on that. Like you can't just be, this is the greatest, most impactful story ever because it ends up being professional wrestling, where this is the greatest WrestleMania ever. Are you saying that Thor Ragnarok years. is the oh, is professional wrestling? <laughs> look, look, look! You watch WrestleMania; it's always the greatest WrestleMania ever. It's always been the greatest WrestleMania ever. You know, uh, this is why I like Moon Knight right now. Oh, we didn't mm-hmm. talk about Moon Knight tonight. I We're mean, gonna have to get caught up on Moon yeah. Knight next week. Sorry. Yeah, but like, this is why I like it. Because it's not like the fate of the universe is at stake. I mean, it's like, it, it's sort of. It's a story. Mi- yeah, yeah, it's more mystical. It's like maybe, you spoiler know. Spoiler alert, you hardly ever see Moon Knight. I mean, it's like. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's a little bit more, a little bit smaller a story. And it's easier to wrap my arms around in that sense. To defend the producers, Aaron, you got to remember the cast are Isaac. And in the words of Tamora Morrison. This is the money. Yeah, you don't you don't put a mask. Yeah, I got you. Um, well, anyway, we'll talk more about Moon Knight next. Maybe and maybe, maybe we'll just save Moon Knight until the series is over and we can talk about the whole thing because I'm I'm totally new to this, so I don't have anything mm-hmm. to offer except for I like it and it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, with that, I think it's time for us all to go take a nap before the Pelicans game. <laughs> um, and uh, but uh, so thanks for listening. And uh, if you like what you're hearing, you know shoot us a shoot us something on social media on twitter on facebook let us know what you think um 
about what you're hearing on the podcast or if there's any topics you'd like to hear us ramble on about for over an hour. Um, but until then, we will see you uh, later. Everybody have a great week, and we will say who dat. Who dat. Even though, or go pels. What do we say? Go pels. Yeah. Or da- what is it? Uh, Dave the wave. 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 <laughs> Won't bow down. Won't bow down. There we go. All right. Everybody have a good night. We'll see you later. My